0: Hello there! We are back for episode 5 of Heads and Tails, brought to you by myself, Nitin Sundar and my wonderful friend, the cricket romantic Abhishek Chopra. Together we take a very cursory glance at everything happening in the world of cricket this week before jumping into our special time machine to relive glorious tales of cricket from the past. Hello Chops! I have a question for you to kick off this week's action. Can you tell me the meaning and relevance of the Roman phrase, Navia out kaput? Navia out kaput. Uh, uh, it's related to the name of our podcast,
1: if uh, if that helps. Uh, kaput generally means something going uh, south. So I'm going to say tails. Yeah, I, I would have gone down the same path. But unfortunately, uh, or rather, that's actually
0: not what uh, kaput means in Roman. Kaput actually means head. And Navia, as you might guess, means ship. So in the old Roman coins, they used to have ships on one side and the head of the king on the other. So, it was not heads and tails, but it was ships or heads, uh, which is what the Romans used to refer to the coin toss as. And that, of course, is the connection to our podcast. But ship or head is also pretty much the status of the Australian men's cricket team now. Because (laughs) the only certainty in their leaven is Travis Head, while most of the other players are taking a ship to go back home. Uh, We've had Pat Cummins going back to a personal situation. Uh, David Warner has gone back. Ashton Agar has also returned. And uh, Mitchell Swepson, we believe, might be coming back, but he also is somewhere in between. So,
1: yeah, not not looking good for the Australian men's cricket team. Absolutely. And I mean, after the loss that they suffered in uh, in Nagpur and in Delhi, the, the last thing that they would have wanted is for their captain to go back and go back in such unfortunate personal circumstances. Um, Smith is the captain again. Would have thunk it's 2017 BGT all over again. Uh, is yeah. in the side too. They have a few left arm spinners, yeah. uh, like Stephen O'Keefe going for them. So, yeah, I mean, Australians can't catch a break right now. Um, they've reached uh Indore, which is my hometown. Um, yeah, some Poha Jalifi <laughs> over there, and I'm hoping that the Poha is uh too sharp for them and they they go down again against India at, at Indore. The third test begins this week, and
0: we hope the Australians
1: will be able to put up a fight
0: at Indore. We look forward to that game. The men's team for Australia not doing very well, but it's very, very different when it comes to women's cricket. Australia have won the World Cup yet again after uh, beating South Africa quite easily in the final. But before that, they had a few hiccups uh, before going past India in a very closely fought semi-final. Uh, Chops, I know you watched that game. Uh, thoughts? Thoughts from the semi-final?
1: Yeah, I mean, the Aussie juggernaut just rolls on and on and on. Uh, It was a proper heartbreaker of a semi-final for us uh, at Cape Town. Uh, The Australians crushed the Indian dream uh, in a win by a very, very small margin of five runs only. Uh, Meg Lanning, the Australian skipper, she won the toss, decided to bat first. Australia put up a massive total of 172 for four, partly due to some unimpressive bowling and some rather shoddy work in the field by the Indians. In uh, response, India were tic-tacking their way to the chase at one stage, chiefly due to a stupendous uh, partnership uh, between Herman uh, Preet, the Indian captain, and my favorite, the Bombay Dynamo, Jemima Rodrigues. Uh, but once these two got dismissed, uh, I think Jemima got out in the eleventh over, Harmanpreet in the fifteenth over. India didn't really seem to have you know any firepower left against the experienced uh, Australian team, who I mean just needed one opening they got two to, uh, to yeah. kill the chase completely, and and they just um, you know went into another gear with their fielding, Elise Perry, their uh, talismanic all-rounder making a brilliant save uh, at the boundary. And uh, yeah, I mean, they just kick into like a higher gear when it comes to those crunch moments. And uh, they won that game, uh, went into the final where the South Africans were uh, there for the first time. Uh, and it could have been a real great moment for the host nation of South Africa to win a World Cup, which even their men's team has uh, never done. But it wasn't to be. Uh, again, the Australians were just too, too strong for uh, you know any such opposition. Absolutely, probably one of the
0: greatest sports teams in the world uh, yeah, across absolutely. all sports. Right, uh, yeah. the, the sort of domination Australia had in women's cricket is quite something. Which is why it's it's particularly heartbreaking to see how close India came in that semi final yeah. in a game where they didn't actually play too well. Also, yeah, so, absolutely. Um, but but yeah, it it is a young Indian team. We have the. Uh, Women's Premier League kicking off in a few months from now or less than a month from now actually. So uh, good tidings for Indian women's cricket. Hopefully this team will challenge Australia in the future. Watching this game, watching the semi-final, I was reminded of India versus Australia games from my childhood days where the australian team the men's team used to be exactly as strong as the women's team is now the indian team used to as uh, very similar again to the women's team now the indian men's team used to rely on two or three big names uh, especially for the runs um, yeah. and if they failed they used to uh, they used to lose and and sometimes we ran australia close sometimes we did not we got hammered by them i was particularly reminded of a day when we were hammered uh, you know, black and blue, I should say, by the Australian men's team. That then is the cue for Abhishek and me to get into our special time machine and go into the past. We are going to March 23, 2003, to the final of the World Cup in Johannesburg. Choppernos, what were you up to on 23rd of March, 2003?
1: Uh, I remember I was in class 10 in that year uh, and March is, as we know, the year, uh, the month of uh, board exams when you're in class 10 and everyone's asking you to study and all your mind and heart and body and soul is invested in what the Indian team is doing so many uh, kilometers and miles away in uh, South Africa. So yeah, it was, it was a very, uh, you know, interesting time in our lives. Uh, especially after having seen the match-fixing controversy, you were seeing the rise and rise of the in- Indian cricket team. And 2003 really seemed like, you know, it would be the peak of, of that era. Uh, we had uh, we had a pretty strong, decent team uh, for uh, for us. And, and Ganguly was, uh, you know, a leader with all the power in the world. Uh, the one thing that I remember is the huddle. Uh, our yes. huddle was... So, so good to watch. It wasn't something that, you know, we came across very regularly. And perhaps the huddle got tighter in that World Cup uh, once we had that terrible loss to Australia in the league stages. But yeah, I mean, just an amazing World Cup. Uh, The other thing was, it was also in South Africa, as we've mentioned. So, the time zone was just perfect. Uh, You could could start watching it in the day after having... uh, told your parents that you've studied during the morning, (laughs) pretended to study rather, and then you could watch the rest of the match to your heart's content. And uh, yeah, I mean, the fact that India did well uh, is something that I remember very fondly. Uh, At that time, the loss to Australia, uh, again, a massive, massive loss uh, hurt very badly. But I mean, looking back now, it's, it's a really fond period in my cricket watching time. Indeed. Uh, a very memorable World Cup. I think the
0: broadcasters also took cricket broadcast to the next level. I remember these games, the broadcast used to begin in the morning for matches that would happen in the afternoon. For three hours, you had tarot card readers, you had Mandiravedi, Charu Sharma discussing the game, building up so nicely. Uh, and you also had these interesting graphics and stuff, right? Similar yeah, to is the Duck, you had that tiger which would come at the bottom of the screen, and you know tap the pitch where, uh, after hitting a boundary. Whenever <laughs> a boundary was hit, uh, that I and, remember that. And if I'm not wrong,
1: uh, this was the first World Cup, or, or I mean the first sort of big cricket, where uh, the scoreboard started appearing on the bottom of the screen. I think it was always in the in the right-hand corner, uh, yes. right-hand top corner of the screen. And this one yeah. was this completely new thing. Yeah. And for at least a couple of matches, my mind was like, okay, where do I check the score? Uh, yeah. Your eyes kept going to the right top corner. But then you got used to it and it's something yeah. that's worked so well that it's never been changed after that.
0: Yeah, so the Indian men's cricket team was actually at its strongest at that time. Uh, they had uh, sort of peaked going into the World Cup, but started off the World Cup on a on a poor note, but kept building momentum after that. Yeah. Except they ran into a team which was the greatest of all time. That Australian Absolutely. team that they ran into in the final was, uh, you know, a few notches stronger than any other team. And you could yeah. see India were overawed by the situation in the final. Yeah. Won the toss, Saurav ghanguly decided to bowl. Probably <laughs> scared by the fact that India had been blown away by Australia yeah. in the league game. And the game was pretty much done as a contest by the end of that first over, which went on forever with Zaheer Khan opening the bowling. He bowled quite a few whites and no balls. And Adam Gilchrist and Matthew Hayden then started taking India to the cleaners. Harbhajan Singh got a couple of wickets for India. Uh, he, he still had the hex over the Aussies. He was getting the ball to turn, got both uh, left-handed openers, Gilchrist and Hayden. But after that, Ricky Ponting and Damian Martin came and feasted. On the Indian fast bowlers who had been doing well throughout that tournament, but they all collectively had an off day in the final. Uh, 359 for two is what Australia made. You didn't really fancy India chasing those runs, did you, back in those days?
1: No, no. I mean, again, I mean, the context of the Australian uh, team, uh, you know, how strong they were there, uh, uh, you know, in the World Cup throughout was obviously there. But the other thing was also, you know, the fact that, Uh, You had been fed this theory since uh, you were a child that India is perhaps not going to do so well in the finals. Mm -hmm. And I remember before that, they had, I think, uh, uh, shared the Champions Trophy with Sri Lanka. uh, You know, reached the final of uh, the uh, 2000 ICC knockout. And they won uh, the NatWest Trophy in England. But somehow, you know, even as a child, uh, I've always been a very pessimistic watcher of cricket. Hmm. And even back then, I remember that I was feeling India had no chance at all.
0: Uh, But Sachin Tendulkar famously in that break between the two innings said, Hey guys, it's only 360 runs. Let's hit one boundary every over. That's 200 runs. And then you only need 160 runs of 250 balls. We can do that. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, Sachin kept his part of the bargain, he hit a four of the first over from Glenn Magra, but then got out in the same over, trying to hit another yeah. boundary. Um, and Magra had the hex over Sachin as well, right? He had got him cheaply yeah. in the 99 World Cup too. India did not give up, right? That was the good thing about India in those days. Virendra yeah. Seva came out and played a blinder. Uh, do you remember Actually. that innings
1: fondly, Choks? Yeah, it, it's it's uh, you know very strange that even now when we talk about it, it's almost like, uh, it's it's hard to believe that after Sachin getting out, someone else kept going at the other end. It's almost like, you know, that was not supposed to happen. It was perhaps not the coding that was done for that program, but it still happened the other thing i remember uh, very uh, oddly is the rain break that happened yes and then i mean all the statisticians and mathematicians <laughs> of the world uh, you know had this spirit of duckworth and lewis no <laughs> stern back then come into them and all sorts of wacky calculations were yeah. going on yeah. there were uh, probabilities being calculated about uh, you know whether the final is going to be a complete rematch and by yeah. then, the Ponting Spring thing had also, you know, uh, started <laughs> that rumor, it started taking root. So, yeah, uh, just like the, that rain break was so, so full of activity. It that,
0: was, and, and uh, it was a pretty heavy rain break as well. Uh, all the umbrellas were out for a moment. It looked like it was going to be a deluge. And India, I think, were even ahead of the Duckworth Lewis par score at one stage. They had lost three wickets, but since Australia wanted to get through the overs to get a game in, they, they introduced their spinner, Brad Hogg, quite early. And uh, Sevak started going after Hog. He hit a couple yeah. of massive sixes over mid So, India stayed in touch with the run yeah. rate. I must also point out one thing, Chops. Uh, you gave away your age by mentioning uh, Ricky Ponting with bat uh, with the springs in his bat. The origin of the spring in the bat story is from the 96 World Cup, where Absolutely. Sanat Jayasuriya originally <laughs> had springs in his bat. And the rumour that spread across all of India. This was before the internet even existed. And these are small kids of, you know, six, seven, uh, six standard, seven standard my age back then. Everyone in the country really believed that the ICC was going to do a rematch of the World Cup final. <laughs> Sri Lanka were going to be disqualified since they had found a platinum spring inside Sanat Jayasuriya's bat. And so <laughs> India, despite being losing semi-finalists, were going to advance to the finals and play Australia in the final. And we were even waiting for that match to happen. When is
1: this final happening? <laughs> yeah. And it was the same stories that came back in 2003. Yeah, yeah I mean... In in some sense, uh, I remember in engineering, I was discussing with a friend how uh, the spring in the bats of Jai Surya and Ricky Ponting was the same as, you know, uh, the idols of Ganesh uh, drinking milk one fine <laughs> day in India. <laughs> Absolutely baseless rumors.
0: Hey, but how do these rumors spread? I mean, maybe that's a discussion for another day. But before the <laughs> internet even came into existence, you had... Uh... You know, news spreading like wildfire, as they used to say in the famous Champak and Tinkle books. But yeah, uh, yeah. so Seva kept us, uh, gave us some false hopes, uh, but India eventually fell well short. So, quickly summarizing that game 359 for two is what the Australians managed. India bowled out well short for 234. Australia won the World Cup, Sachin Tendulkar won the Man of the Tournament Award, which was very well deserved because uh, he had he had some fantastic innings in that World Cup. I think he only got one century eventually and that was against Namibia, yeah. but a few 80s and 90s over there, uh, Absolutely. including, yeah.
1: The other thing that I remember is uh, looking at his face when he got the Man of the Series Award. I think it was Sir Gary Sobers who gave him the award and... Yeah. Uh, I mean, he he looked crestfallen. There's no other word he to did. put it. And uh, uh, I mean, his World Cup uh, winning dream did come uh, true in 2011. But 20, uh, 2003 was when he really had it in the bag, uh, you know, all the while. And just that final was like a bad yeah. dream gone wrong. But it was a great World Cup
0: for Indian fast bowlers, um, and I think you have some fond memories of great spells by Indian fast bowlers in that World Cup.
1: Absolutely, I I want to talk about Javagal Srinath, who was uh, you know in his fourth World Cup, I think, uh, with perhaps the most broken and rebuilt shoulder in Indian cricket of all time. Yeah. and he was also without his mustache that uh, <laughs> yes. you know, resembled a toothbrush, which had which had its bristles going off in all directions <laughs> due to overusage. So he thankfully got rid of that mustache. Uh, and I remember reading in newspapers back then that his nickname was, you know, Mysore Express uh, yeah. you know, or, or Babu, I think they used to call him. But I mean, really, it should have been Babu fast passenger or something. It's the kind of train that, you know, can't go quickly during the day. And then it has to make up for lost time during the night. So, it tries to go faster. (laughs) One or two balls in an over would be fast and the rest of them would be proper medium pace. So, yeah, it could have been a beautiful uh, uh, swan song for uh, Javagal Srinath. But for uh, what Australia did to him in the final, I think his final analysis was 10 over, 0 maidens, 87 runs and 0 wickets. If I'm not wrong. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, Ganguly had uh, sort of convinced him to come out of retirement or half yeah. retirement he was out of the odi side test he had already given up uh, actually it
0: was a full retirement it was a full retirement and i yeah. i remember the day Srinath originally announced his retirement this was uh, i think in the year 2000 or 2001 yeah and india were touring west indies at that time yeah. and, uh, and yeah. Srinath actually wasn't in the squad at all right he was i think back home nursing an injury or recovering and this was before one of the one-day games in that game in that tour, and the game was going to start late in the night. It's West Indies, right? And in the pre-game yeah. show, you had Harsha Boghle and Sunil Gavaskar as always, you know, uh, previewing the game. And suddenly, there were two shocking pieces of news that uh, they announced. The oh, first wow. one was that Srinath had announced his retirement, which was which was uh, surprising. I wouldn't say shocking. The next one was an outright shock: Hansi Kronje died, uh, and in a in a strange. In crash, right? Uh, So both those news came back to back, and uh, I remember, I remember it specifically for that reason. And then Ganguly uh, spoke to Srinath and convinced him to come back for one last tour. And I thought he bowled brilliantly. I I think he bowled better than he had in any of the prior World Cups. The three World Cups that he had played. Yeah, I was just
1: thinking of what you said about you know that those two pieces of news. I mean, uh, look at Srinath; even in his retirement, didn't get all the attention. (laughs) attention. (laughs) Both times. (laughs) <laughs> Both times. <laughs> he retired twice. <laughs> the first time it
0: was Hansi Cronje. The second time it was Ponting smashing him to every corner of the Wanderers. By the yeah. end of that innings, uh, it was it was basically a slogathon. Right, India had not yeah. got the wickets. Martin and Ponting were going for everything. And yeah. poor fast bowlers had to come in and finish their quota.
1: And, and also, it's it. it's like Joburg, they say, right? The the elevation over the sea level, yeah. air is thin. Ball travels. I mean, couldn't have travelled farther than that for <laughs> sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, on a better day, Srinath bowled superbly against Sri Lanka. I don't know if you remember yeah. that spell. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, Ganguly somehow uh, got him back, and it was one of those Ganguly things. I mean. Srinath retired and Ganguly, every press conference, he's saying, no, no, I'll get him back. I'll get him back. Hmm. And true to his word, he got him back. And he was also an important, uh, you know, friend, philosopher, guide to Nehra and Zaheer. Probably let go of a few boundaries at mid-off, mid-on while, you know, diving very clumsily. But uh, probably told them what balls to bowl and that, uh, you know, boded well for India. He was also someone who, you know, his action was the most copyable as a kid, I remember. I mean, I could do his action, you know, in the middle really? of the night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he always had that ball that, you know, just naturally angled into the right-hander. But yeah. somehow he, you know, developed a mean leg cutter uh, back in yeah. the day and 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 a nice lower ball as well. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I remember a few wickets uh, of his from this World Cup very fondly. One was the first match and it was a... Uh, not a very strong opponent, Holland, of course, at Pal. Uh, I think he ended up picking four wickets. The last two wickets, uh, or the last, second last wicket, I think, yeah, uh, that he picked up out of his four was this gorgeous slower ball where he comes up uh, to the bowling crease, you know, seam up, uh, as would be the conventional grip. And then in that seam up action, he goes back of the hand and delivers a yes. slower ball, the uh Holland batter sort of walks out of his crease wanting to slog it over mid-wicket or wherever and he's beaten all ends up and then the next wicket is the exact opposite it's a main brute of a bouncer that uh, the Holland tailender just you know ends up fending to I think mid-wicket or something so I mean in that match itself Sehwag is uh, sorry uh, Srinath is able to sort of show, show his range and then Oh yeah the match against uh, Sri Lanka absolutely broke the back of the Sri Lankan batting lineup in that chase i think that match was at joburg four wickets again uh, yeah. the two wickets that i remember very fondly uh, uh, his old uh, nemesis uh, number 1 jay surya and his old nemesis number 2 uh, arvind de silva both yeah. were again you know at at perhaps the sunset of their respective careers but just to see him getting those wickets cheaply, uh, Arvinda was pinned on the back foot uh, uh, of a ball yeah. coming in. And jay Surya drove one very tamely to, I think, uh, short cover or something. So to see him get those wickets, it reminded me of uh, you know the days when he got absolutely smashed by them. From yeah. Delhi to Colombo, uh, <laughs> it such and everywhere such in a... between, they played everywhere so many minute. Everywhere in between, and, <laughs> between. and, and even, then I uh,
0: yeah, and when they played in Delhi, the ball would land in Colombo <laughs> that
1: <also>. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> without the rarefied air in yeah. any of those cities. I mean, especially yeah. not in Delhi. And then I think the Kenya Super Six match also, he picked up uh, two two wickets or something yeah. with slower ball. So yeah, I was very fond of that slower ball of a sudden, and. Yeah. I mean, watching him in this World Cup, you know, made me realize I was in class 10, as I mentioned back then. It made me realize that a uh, cricketer doesn't really have to be great, an all-time great for you to be his fan. He could have like a million flaws and I mean, get carted around for 87 runs in 10 overs. But you could still just like someone very, very fondly. And and I mean, Javagal Srinath is that kind of guy for me. Uh, yeah. Nobody's ever going to have to debate with me that you know he was not as good as his numbers uh, suggested, perhaps even worse than that. I'll just remember him very fondly and and uh, the 2003 World Cup was sort of the icing on the cake for all my fond memories. And the other uh, fond memory from the Sri Lanka match was uh, Tendulkar, you know, as you mentioned, in the form of his life, playing a very, very measured, very responsible knock of 97 runs of, I think, 120 odd balls. Uh, And yeah, I mean, uh, he had this knack in this tournament, especially of sizing up the pitch and the conditions perfectly well. Uh, didn't go overboard with his hitting, uh, maintained that very, uh, you know, sheet anchor-like role for uh, for himself in almost all the games. But then there was this one game where, uh, huh. you know, he absolutely blew his top off. Uh, yeah. I think you're going to talk about
0: it. No, yes, uh, I think this was Tendulkar's greatest World Cup, right? And one main reason for this. India were coming together as a good team in the lead-up to this World Cup. But a few months before the World Cup, there was this tour of New Zealand where you know they were given very, very green pitches. And the batting just fell apart over there. Nobody could score runs. I think Sevak got a Except few runs, a couple yeah. of hundreds. But uh, everyone else, the confidence was shot. Tendulkar, Ganguly, Yuvraj Singh, uh, Mohamed Kaf They all struggled for runs. Um, and that they brought that lethargy, that hangover into the World Cup. right? And if I remember right, India even lost or maybe came close to losing their warm-up game against one of the local teams before the World Cup started. <laughs> oh, yeah, and, Poland or something. Yeah, or Grikaland if I remember. I don't know who, but it yeah. was a bad It was a bad scene. And they really had to struggle to beat Holland, that game yeah. that you spoke about, where Sreenath bowled well towards the end. They barely got 200 runs on the board against Holland. So, India were in disarray. And after that Holland game, they got blown away by Australia in the league game as well, right? So, Man. that was a really, really indifferent start to the World Cup. And then one man slowly brought them back into it with the bat. Like The rest of the batting was completely out of sorts. Tendulkar just started scoring runs. At one end, you knew that Sachin was going to do his job. He scored against Zimbabwe. India played a very cagey match against Zimbabwe and got past the line. And then slowly they started coming into it, right? So there was the 50 against uh, uh, England as well, where he goes after Andy Kadic who famously said, oh, I'm going to bounce out, Sachin. He said something, which he probably should not have. And you could see he was trying to bowl shot to Sachin throughout that game. Uh, very early in that game, Sachin tries to pull him, falls, uh, plays a falling pull shot or a hookish pull shot and gets it away for four. But later on, with India on the verge of getting to 50, he gets another shot ball wide up off-stump and he smashes it out of sight. Um, it goes and falls, you know, amidst the trees outside the stadium. And yeah. I think it is Manjrekar on air at that time. And he said... Ravishastri. Was it Ravishastri there? At, at yeah. some point in the World Cup uh, or some point in that game, I think Manjrekar called out, we are seeing a different type of Tendulkar. We are seeing yeah. a different version of Tendulkar today. But Tendulkar's biggest achievement, of course, in that World Cup came against Pakistan in an unforgettable game right uh, this was india of course kept winning against pakistan in world cups this was still a high profile match pakistan had to win this game uh, and they got 273 runs on the board with their oh, india's old nemesis saeed anwar as usual uh, uh, reeling out a 100 a nice 101 of 126 balls India came out to chase and all hell broke loose with uh, Tendulkar going after the fast bowlers
1: yeah yeah i mean uh, once uh, saeed anwar got into the groove you you know all uh, you had all those flashbacks and sad memories come back of you know how that left-hander uh, you liked watching him bat and then at the same time you didn't want him to score runs against india he uh, you know wasn't his attacking best uh, you know uh, throughout that uh, innings but yeah. i think People played around him, and uh, Pakistan got to a really good total. And I mean, Wasim, Waqar, Shoaib, uh, Abdul Razak uh, was the bowling lineup that they had, and Sakhalin Mushtaq was obviously there. So uh, it was a very, very potent Pakistan bowling attack. Waqar, Wasim, you could say were you know at the end of their tether in international cricket, or close to the end of their uh, tether, but still, I mean, pretty, pretty handy bowling attack. And uh, then I mean, Tendulkar. Uh, you know, just just goes off to another tangent. And uh, yeah. uh, the only, th- I mean, he describes this match in great detail in, uh, you know, his autobiography, which is absolutely not worth the paper it's printed on. Uh, <laughs> but this part is something that I really liked, where he describes how he had been planning for this match for what, 12 months or something. And everywhere yeah. he went, uh, people were saying, 1st March, 1st March, 1st March, which was the date of this match. And uh, I mean, he really, you know, uh, rose up to the occasion and and really got, uh, you know, all his competitive juices flowing in this brilliant innings.
0: Yeah, rose up to the occasion is quite the right word to use because that's exactly what he did when he uppercut Shoaib Akhtar for a six, which I would say was the shot that was heard around the world, uh, at yeah. least until MS Dhoni hit Nuvan uh, Sekhara for six in 2011. What an unforgettable shot and and what a statement of intent because similar to Andrew, Andrew Kaddik, uh, Shoaib Akhtar had said a lot of stuff in the lead-up to this game about how he was going to go after Tendulkar and as Wasim Akram had, has written in his autobiography, yeah. uh, Shoaib Akhtar was uh, very fond of the speed gun. Through this World Cup, he had already bowled the fastest ball ever recorded against Nick Knight when yeah. Pakistan played England uh, and he was going at 150-155 km per hour uh, against uh, Tendulkar in the second over of the match here. Yeah. And Sachin first uppercuts him for six over third man, then turns the ball, you know, using the pace of the ball through square leg for four, and then defends the ball down the ground. Just It just flies away. It it, it comes at 150, it goes back at 300. Sakla and Mushtaq, by the way, did not play this game, uh, but their fifth bowler was Shahid Afridi, who is in one-day cricket, probably as good. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, no nobody could really trouble Tendulkar until he got himself injured. And there was
1: a drop yeah. catch.
0: Yes, Abdul Razak uh, could not take the catch at mid-off, and Akram famously said, "Pata hai tumko? Kiska catch choda hai tu? or something <laughs> of that sort. Right.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I mean, just a memorable knock. I I was very very upset. I mean, this is perhaps you know the the immaturity of a kid coming out. I was very upset when Tendulkar finally got out to a bouncer of Shoya Bakhtar because yeah. I mean. He could have lost all his stumps, and that would have been fine. But getting <laughs> out to a bouncer just like felt uh, terrible. And then, uh, I mean, we had uh, we had the uh, young hand and the old hand of uh, Rahul Dravid and I think Yuvrat Singh who Yuvrat brought Singh. us to the win. Um, and yeah, I mean, very, very memorable win and uh, something that uh, was, was celebrated all across the country for yeah. sure. And I mean, uh, all hail Tindulkar especially. There's plenty that you
0: could say about uh, Tendulkar's career and the amazing stats that he ran up, right? One of the stats that I will always be in awe of is that Tendulkar was man of the match against Pakistan in World Cups in three different decades. Absolutely. 92, 2003 and and 2011. 2011. Yeah. And it's not one of those fraud records where, you know, three decades span 11 years or 12 years. These were actually 20 years, right? 92 Absolutely. and 2011 are nearly 20 years apart. It just and tells you so much about the guy. And 92. Games. Yeah, and yeah. 92 was partly for his bowling as well. Yes. Yeah. Um, what an incredible player. Uh, we should do a Tendulkar special episode at some point. We keep talking about him in every episode that we do.
1: Absolutely. And I mean, quite, quite the World Cup he had that time. <laughs>
0: Right. After revisiting the wonderful 2003 World Cup, it's time for Chops and me to come back to 2023 to present tense and to leave you at the end of episode 5 of Heads and Tails. Thank you so much for all the support, for listening, and for your reviews and ratings on Spotify. Please continue to spread the word, and we hope more people listen to us and, uh, yeah, uh, hoping to keep this podcast going. It's been great fun recording with you, Chops, as always. Thank you so much, and goodbye to everyone. Goodbye, see you all next week. Bye-bye.
1: You were listening to Heads and Tails, hosted by Abhishek Chopra and Nitin Sundar. Produced by Audiomatic. Producers for Audiomatic, Rajesh Tahil and Abdud Kanulkar. Assistant producer, Piyakash.